Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast from Fulcrum Strategies. I'm Matthew Hambly. Thanks for joining us with me, as always, is our president and CEO, Ron Howergan. Ron, how are you, sir? I am good. I hope you are as well. I am. And today uh, we're going to be talking about a touchy subject, I think, for, for many people, because it's one and it's one we've talked about before. And we one that said there's no real winners in this particular case. And that and that's the problem of medical debt. Um, we've talked before on this program and we've written elsewhere on flatlining and other places that medical debt is tough because it's not something people choose to go into. It's not like taking a car loan or a mortgage or even taking on student debt. It generally happens when someone has to go to the emergency room and uh, for some sort of catastrophic event and then the bill comes and it's it's much more than they can handle. Last week, the Biden administration announced a new initiative uh, to ban medical debt from being reported to credit bureaus and affecting patients' credit scores. NPR and KFF Health News summed it up on National Public Radio. Medical debt burdens about 100 million people in the U.S. Now, the Biden administration has announced a plan to stop unpaid medical bills from affecting patients' credit scores. Joining us to talk about this is Noam Levy from KFF Health News. He's been working with NPR on an ongoing investigation into medical debt. So this uh, sounds like a big deal. Why are they doing this? Uh, well, it is a pretty big deal. Uh, we know that medical debt is the most common thing on people's credit scores, more common than credit card debt, more common than unpaid cell phone bills, and that can have an impact on someone's credit score. And a low credit score, as I'm sure many folks know, can make it harder to rent an apartment, to get a car, get a job. You can even get put through a credit check if you're trying to get a cell phone. So basically, Medical debt can have this ripple effect on people's finances, trapping them in low-wage jobs and, and preventing them from getting ahead. Yeah, we've heard a lot of tough stories about this. So what are some of the stories that you've heard of from your investigation? Well, we talked to hundreds of people across the country. We talked to Americans who are forced to live with friends and family or homeless even because of medical bills that have dragged down their scores and they can't rent or they can't get a mortgage. It's it's pretty tragic. Now, you know, any new regulations on credit reporting would still allow hospitals and other medical providers to sue patients or pursue other aggressive collection activities like selling debt or denying care. But leading consumer patient groups say this new plan would be an important step to protect patients from, uh, from medical debt. All right. So how would this work? What exactly are they planning? Well, in some respects, it's pretty simple. Uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or CFPB, that's the federal agency that was created after the 2008 financial crisis, will develop regulations that would essentially prevent hospitals and other medical providers from reporting unpaid medical bills to the major credit bureaus. We're talking about Experian, TransUnion, Equifax. Importantly, these new rules, if they're finalized, would also prevent debt collectors from threatening to report someone to a credit bureau if they don't pay. All right. So how soon then could people get their credit scores all cleaned up? Well, this is going to take a while. Uh, under the best of circumstances, federal rulemaking is long and sometimes mind-numbing. But um, CFPFP officials uh, said there won't be any new rules until next year at the earliest. There are a few extra twists here, too. First off, we're likely to see opposition from the collections industry. They're already warning that there could be some unintended consequences and make it harder for doctors, hospitals, other medical providers to get paid. Um, one consequence, for example, could be that hospitals and other providers will demand patients pay up front for any services. Uh, or they could shuttle more patients into credit cards and other loans that can come with higher interest. There's another wrinkle here too, A. Uh, the Supreme Court, which is now controlled by a very conservative majority, 
is scheduled to take up two important cases that may threaten the ability of the CFPB to regulate. And one of these cases, which challenges the constitutionality of the agency, could wipe out its funding entirely. So a lot up in the air here, but big consequences for patients for sure. That's Noam Levy from KFF Health News. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Ron, let's talk a little bit about um, why, uh, I mean, we, we talked about you don't choose to go into medical debt, but medical debt's kind of touchy even for doctors and hospitals, is it not? It, it is, um, because it's a cross-section between the provision of care, um, and especially largely the provision of care with people to people with limited means, um, and the necessity to run a business, you know, to collect what you um you know, what you're owed, um, because anything that isn't collected under medical debt just gets written off. And that, that what is debt to one person is expected revenue to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then where do they, you know, where do they make up that revenue? So if there's somebody through no fault of their own who can't pay for the service that they received at an emergency room or, uh, or in a hospital or a doctor's office or whatever, then the question gets to be, well, then who's going to pay for it? And the answer is the rest of us, right? Because they're going to have to increase, you know, their, their cost and their charges for everybody else. Um, and so that's where it becomes difficult for them because, you know, nobody that I know in, that is in the business of delivering healthcare likes putting somebody in a situation where they can't get a loan or they can't get an apartment. They don't like sending people to collections. Right. Um, but they also don't like writing off large amounts of money that they would then have to charge to somebody else. Mm-hmm. This is something we've seen from several um, more left-leaning states like New York and California. They've, they've already decided that in their state you can't put liens on homes because of medical debt and uh, things like that. This is the first federal thing we're seeing, uh, particularly from the Biden administration. Um, Ron, it appears that when this comes up in politics, it's often um, it's often the one debt that gets gone after. And we'll exclude student loan debt because that's that's a little bit more of a choice, but you think about mandatory debts that you owe, like your income tax or your property taxes. If you don't pay them, the government does come after you and in some cases puts you in prison for not paying your taxes. And what what makes medical debt different in this in this instance? Why why is it wrong, do you think, that the argument is that hospitals and physicians shouldn't go after the money that they're owed? Well, I think, you know, the argument that goes, there's sort of two arguments that um, that are openly discussed. And then there's a third one, which the cynic in me says is the more political argument. The two arguments are, first of all, medical debt hits those largely with, with limited means. Mm -hmm. So you're already dealing with people who are, you know, lower income levels, et cetera. Um, you know, nobody worries about Jeff Bezos having medical debt. Right. Okay. Cause he probably pays it. Um, and so there's an argument that it's, it's unfair. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of kicking somebody while they're down. they already have limited means. They already have limited income. And then we're hitting them with additional debt. Um, and then the second argument that goes hand in hand with that is, and they didn't choose to take on this debt. Nobody mm -hmm. woke up in the morning and said, you know what? I'd like for my appendix to burst so I could go ahead and go into an emergency room and chew up a lot of money that I can't pay. 
You know, right. it's, it's not like the person who says, well, you know, I, I know I bought this brand new car and I really don't have enough money to pay for it. So I'm going to have default on the debt that I have to my auto loan. People don't have a lot of sympathy for that because you made a bad choice and you right. did something you shouldn't have done. Like I said, it's different or, you know, with, I, I've got medical debt because I have MS or because my appendix burst or because of, you know, something else. So those are the two arguments that sort of surface on why these people should be protected. And, and I think, you know, any of us who are human have some sympathy to those arguments. Now, mm -hmm. there's the cynic in me that says that this issue um, gets brought up more on the, you know, the Democrat side of the aisle than the Republican because, again, if you think about the people who are being impacted by that, it's more, there's been studies that show it's more minorities, um, it's more lower income, et cetera. Those are populations that tend to vote Democrat more than Republican. Right. Now, I would say Republicans are not insulated from picking issues that affect the people that vote for them. So mm -hmm. this is not a one-sided thing, but I think that is at least part of the argument politically why the Biden administration or some of the states you've talked to have, have picked up this um, this issue um, because it plays well with the people who vote for them. Right. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, who was one of the people that announced this with the head of the Consumer Protection Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, she said, "No one in this country should have to go into debt to get the quality health care." that they need and that this new measure will improve the credit scores of millions of Americans so they'll be able to better invest in their future. Ron, that first little bit about not having to go into medical debt, that sounds a lot like, as you just mentioned, um, Senator Bernie Sanders. He talks a lot about his Medicare for All, and that's one of his main points is that uh, Americans do go into debt uh, in many cases when they get emergency health care in this country. So depending on who you talk to, you're always hearing different sides about who's to who's to blame for this problem. Is it, you know, we, we, we usually say the greedy, greedy doctors. Is it the insurance companies with crappy, you know, insurance plans? Or is it, you know, low provider reimbursement? You know, wh where do you think that the problem stems from, from having someone go into medical debt? Well, um, you know, I think as long as we are going to have in this country a system where um, the consumer, the patient, has to pay at least some part of their health care bill, okay? And, and even people with insurance, if you've got a deductible or coinsurance, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to pay part of your bill. As long as we're going to have that system, we are going to have medical debt. The only way to get rid of medical debt, and this has nothing to do with what the doctors are charging, it has nothing to do with the insurance companies, it's, you know, because they're, they're selling a product that people want to buy. Yep. Um, nobody gets upset when you can buy a auto insurance policy with a $2,000 deductible mm -hmm. um, because you're making that choice. Um, but as long as we have that system, there's going to be medical debt. Um, if you think about it, if most people would say if you have an insurance policy that pays um, 100% of your claim cost with a $5,000 deductible, that's a pretty rich policy today. Well, if you look at medical debt, okay, half of all the medical debt held by people is less than $5,000. Mm -hmm. So those people have medical debt, not because necessarily they have crappy insurance, because even what we just deemed as good insurance, they would still have that same right. $5,000 of medical debt to pay. And that's $5,000 a year. Okay, so that resets every year. Um, so, you know, we're not going to solve this unless we get to some sort of a universal coverage where there isn't any skin in the game, if you will, for the patient or the consumer. Now, I'm not arguing that we should 
suddenly believe Barry Sanders. There's there's other issues with that. Mm -hmm. But it's always going to be there as long as we have the system that we have today. And, you know, it's important to understand that, you know, what the Biden administration is trying to do, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do, it doesn't get rid of the debt. It just keeps it from getting on a credit bureau. And for some people, yes, that will make a huge difference because right. the debt is the only thing driving down the credit score. For a lot of other people that have a limited means to pay, that means they're also maybe not paying off their credit card or they did default on a car loan because they don't have or they and they have other issues. So getting rid of medical debt may not change their credit score very much at all. One of the things we have in this country that is is unique in our, you know, we 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 have a we have a blended healthcare system. We've talked about this before. We're not like the United Kingdom where everyone has, you know, they have insurance paid for by the the government there. We have, you know, our employee-based plans, but then we also have for the people who really can't afford health insurance, we have Medicaid. We talked about Medicaid expansion mm -hmm. last week. And then for our senior citizens and for those that serve in the military, we've got the uh, Veterans Affairs Administration and we've got Medicare. Mm -hmm. Should it be that these programs that we already have, are, are these supposed to be the solution to medical debt? Or can they be the solution to medical debt? Well, I mean, they are, they're the solution to a large degree to medical debt for the people who qualify within them. For example, Medicaid. Um, you know, Medicaid is pretty much universal coverage. I mean, there aren't $5,000 right. deductibles when you've got Medicaid. So, that protects the um, you know the poorest of our population from from medical debt. Um, you know, with the with the development of Medicare Advantage plans at zero premium mm -hmm. that pick up the coinsurance and deductible, that pretty much protects most of the senior citizens. And you know, the VA system is you know is pretty universal. So um, those populations are pretty well protected. The other populations, people are getting it through the employer group and the Affordable Care Act plans, which have significant amount of patient responsibility, um, they're not protected. And so, you know, if you want to completely get rid of the medical debt issue, you're going to have to do one of two things. You're either going to have to apply something like Medicare for all and mm -hmm. get rid of it that way, or you're going to have to pass some sort of legislation that says, hey, we're only going to allow patient responsibility up to a certain amount. Yeah. You could say, you know, we're only going to allow patient responsibility up to the first thousand dollars. Doesn't matter whether it's copays, coinsurance, deductible, don't care. After a thousand dollars, it has to be complete coverage. And then you're going to get rid of most of the medical debt because you just won't be able to get into that kind of debt. Right. Now, like everything, there's negative side effects to that. That's going to significantly increase the cost of insurance. Um, and the employer based stuff's going to go way up. Yep. When employers are facing inflation, um, things that aren't paid by employer base, like the Affordable Care Act subsidies are going to drive up the federal deficit. So, you know, it's it's where do you want to pay for it? Do you want to pay for it in the terms of we've got $140 billion of medical debt? Or do you want to increase the cost to employers and have them deal with that the way they would normally deal with it, which is, you know, lower incomes or yep. layoff people or fix their cost problems somewhere else? There's no there's no easy answer to this problem. Which then if you, you take the same point about lowering incomes on the employer-based solution, you're going to have to do that anyway for Medicare for all because you're going to have to raise taxes to pay for it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, six, one, half a dozen or another, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that old, there is no free lunch, you know? And yeah. so, you know, everything that we decide we're going to give as a benefit, whether it's the government giving it through coverage or through legislation has to be paid for somewhere. Just like if, if tomorrow and he can't, but if Biden said, I'm going to eliminate all $140 billion of debt there, I wiped it off the books. It's all forgiven. 
Well, that's $140 billion that somewhere there was a hospital or a doctor or a surgery center, an imaging center that was planning on receiving. Yeah. And now they're not going to get that revenue. Where do they need to make that revenue up? Um, let's let's talk a little bit about charity care and, and stuff like that, because I know um, this has come a little bit under fire, uh, particularly from KFF Health News. When they've done different uh, analyses on medical debt, they have, from my reading of it, they have frequently gone after nonprofit hospitals for going after patients um, who have outstanding medical bills. Of course, their usual response is, that they have, you know, financial aid programs available that people need to sign up for them if they want to qualify for them. Um, but w- what role does charity care play, you know, especially from, you know, when we talk about nonprofit healthcare institutions um, or, or even for for-profit hospitals? Well, yeah, so it bothers me when somebody makes the leap from a nonprofit tax status to you should be completely altruistic right. and, and you know, give away everything, okay? Because those are two different things. Yeah. Yep. And when somebody says, well, you know, I think nonprofit hospitals should absolutely not send anyone to collections, okay? Well, they have to compete in a world where they've got to pay their staff more, et cetera, and so they need revenue. Um, and so it's a little unrealistic to say, ah, you know, if you don't pay your bill, we're not going to go after you because we're nonprofit. And I would also then argue, well, then why doesn't somebody, in, and I'll pick my state, North Carolina, where, mm-hmm. you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield here is a nonprofit insurance company. Why don't they push on the nonprofit insurance companies to say, well, hey, when when a hospital gets to a point where they can't collect from somebody who has Blue Cross insurance, but they can't pay their deductible, why shouldn't Blue Cross have to pay it? They're nonprofit. Right. Why shouldn't they contribute to it? Now, and both entities, both Blue Cross of North Carolina and the nonprofit hospitals, contribute an awful lot of money towards programs that help with this or towards charity care. So I'm not saying that they're, mm-hmm. you know, completely profit motivated, but I think it's unrealistic to say that either entity should just have to pick up the tab when somebody doesn't pay, because that's not what nonprofit means. Okay. Right. Um, and the for-profit companies, whether they be for-profit hospitals or for-profit insurance companies, part of their defense on why they shouldn't have to bear that burden as well is they pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's their their reaction is, well, wait a minute, you know, I shouldn't have to give away all this charity care because I pay taxes right. and the taxes should cover it. So, and I know, like I said, it's a, it's a sticky problem that doesn't have a real quick yeah. or easy answer. Well, and I know uh, Ascension Health, I believe it was Ascension Health, they're one of the largest religious uh, hospital organizations mm-hmm. in the country. They pointed out when they were reached, when they were reached out to by one of these news outlets that they provide more free health care than they do going after uh, medical debt in their system. And they yeah. showed the numbers from previous years about the amount of money that they of, of healthcare that they you know either wrote off or gave away through financial aid plans uh, than what they were taking right. in from from medical debt and things that they had sent to collections. No, and and pretty much every hospital can show those kind of yeah. numbers, you know, of of debt they had, medical debt they had to write off or or gave away through through the kind of programs. Again, these are people who aren't in the business of trying to put people out of you know out of their houses. Right. It, interestingly enough, too, and and I'm I'm sure you think that this would make total sense as well. When they published a map several months ago, KFF Health News, about the different uh, regions in the country, different hospitals in the country, uh, and what their policies were for medical debt, 
you know, whether or not they were sensitive to collections, whether or not they would sue you, whatever the case may be. They did a sample study of a couple different hospitals. And by and large, the more rural hospitals, the ones that don't make as much money as some of the other ones, were more likely to send bills to collections and, and contact lawyers in certain instances when money was owed. I'm curious, quick comment on that. Well, it's it's for a couple of reasons. One, those rural hospitals tend to already have bad payer mixes mm-hmm. and they tend to operate on very thin margins. So a lot of times what they've got to do in sending people to collections lawyers is, is a matter of survival for them because they just can't survive with, you know, with huge amounts of patient bad debt. The other thing, and this is something that's very real, real for hospitals and it, it rears its ugly head in a number of areas is you don't want to be known as the hospital that won't collect these debts. Right. Or you start attracting people. Yep who aren't going to pay their bills. And, and and not because the person you're attracting to necessarily wants to do damage to you, but they may know that they can't pay it. And if it gets out that, hey, you know, don't worry about it because, you know, Smith Regional General, you know, um, doesn't collect on this stuff. Well, I'll drive there and go to their ER. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you can't be known for that. It's the same reason why hospitals have to be very careful about people heading into their ER for drug-seeking behavior. Because if you get the reputation as somebody who doesn't check for that kind of stuff and doesn't, you know, and automatically gives narcotics for people who are just complaining of pain, then you're going to attract them all. Um, So, you know, it's one of those things where in some ways those hospitals, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Well, uh, as the last thing I'm going to point out, and this is more of a question for the listeners and they can write into us at flatlining.net or uh, by reaching out to me on Twitter at Radio Handley. Do you think the Biden administration is doing this just for the credit? Because... The three largest credit agencies in this country, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, have all said that they would be not including medical debt on credit reports as of last year. So who's really getting the credit here? Is it them or the (laughs) Biden administration? I'll let you guys decide. One last thing, and that gets into the whole why I'm politically a little cynical. (laughs) Yes. Um, And the other thing just in this whole discussion that sometimes gets lost is is scale. Okay. Mm -hmm. To put it in, and I know we, you know, we don't want to necessarily compare it to the sort of the student loan forgiveness, but to put it in perspective, there's about $140 billion of medical debt in this country held by about 100 million people. Okay. Again, half of it is under $5,000. Yeah. In the student loan program, there's $1.5 trillion of debt held by 45 million people. Half of that is over $20,000 in debt. So there's 10 times the debt held by half the number of people. Um, on the student loan thing. So both are problems, but a lot of times people assume the medical debt is sort of, I I know a lot of people, some people assume it's even bigger than student loan debt as far as scale size. No, no, it's nowhere near what the student loan debt problem is. And it's held by half the number of people. And the medical debt, it's not held by the federal government, unlike most of the student loans. Exactly. Exactly. Ron, thank you very much. We appreciate it as always for you sharing your expertise with us. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Miss an episode of the Flatlining Podcast? Well, now you can read a recap. Just go to flatlining.net and look right there on the homepage every Monday for a written recap on last week's episode.